0: All right. Well, we're going to be looking at First Peter chapter three. If you haven't turned there in your Bibles, if you uh, have been with us in weeks past, we're we're walking through uh, the, these amazing verses slowly, and uh, there's just so much here. Um, God has put so much in His Word, and and it's just a privilege to be able to to dig in. The in- interesting thing was, I, I will confess this. So. As I'm studying this past week, I, I'm looking at how how this all comes together and how to open it up and begin to talk about it. And I, so I had down written down that I was going to make reference to slipping on our driveway about three weeks ago, and uh, and then it was the very next day that the same thing happened to my wife. So I I told her that she said, "Well, what are you going to talk about Sunday?" and and I said, actually falling down, <laughs> and, and ironically, the same thing happened to her. Uh, her injury far worse, um, but yeah, pray for her. Thank you for doing that already, and, and the meals, and it's a tremendous blessing. So, um, but uh, yeah, so I'm I'm just going to keep in that. And you'll see where this is going in just a moment. So let's let's go ahead and turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. And we're going to look at beginning at verse 9. And we're going to continue through verse 12. So three of those verses comprise uh, verses actually from Psalm 34. And we'll talk about that in the Old Testament. But if you're there in your Bibles and you can, please stand as we read God's word together and follow along with me. Beginning in verse 9. Actually, let's jump back to verse 8 because it continues the thought in verse 9, and then we will reference that as well. To sum up, Peter writes, let all be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. Verse 9, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. Verse 10, for... Let him who means to love life and see good days refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile or deceitful speech, and let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. You may be seated. Father in heaven, we just ask as we dig back into your word in First Peter chapter 3 that you would help us to understand it, that you would help it not to just glance off of us, but to embed in our hearts, to challenge us, to teach us, to stretch us. We ask that you would be our teacher this morning, we pray in the precious name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, it was just over three weeks ago, and I was lying flat on my back on an icy driveway. Now, little did I know or care at the moment, at that particular time, I was in very like company with 166 people. Yes. to be louder okay with hundred and sixty-six people reporting to Portland area emergency rooms due to slipping on the ice Wednesday January 17th to break a, an eight-year-old record in the Portland hospital community all I could think about at that particular time was that something hurt and it hurt very bad, and it was in an area area that hadn't hurt very bad in many, many years. And that was my neck. My neck just kind of snapped like a whiplash, and it was the site of the most intense pain that I had ever had many, many years ago leading to surgery six years ago. So I thought about that as I talked to my wife, Lisa, about that and her fall. We were talking about pain. We all experience it. We all have stories of those, of those very worst days. Lisa said that particular pain when she tripped over that, that basketball hoop base and her ankles both kind of tucked in underneath her, she said to me, she said, that was the most intense, deep pain I've ever had in my life since childbirth. So it may be a broken limb for you as you think about your own experience. It might be a a throbbing cut or a gash from some kind of accident. It may unfortunately have been a situation where you were burned really bad. Or it may even be, and those who have experienced this know, it could be the intensity of needing a root canal. Yet most of these situations, if you think about it now, your worst pain day, are probably behind you. They're usually in the realm of past tense. They're they're in the category of incidents and and memories that healed over, restored, repaired. Unless we put a certain word in front of pain to clarify that, no, today it's, something more and we call that chronic chronic pain the the pain that doesn't go away this morning i want to talk about another pain one that continues to sting to to bite to to deeply hurt And I'd like to simply call it, as we reference physical pain and we we make the segue over, I would like to simply refer to it this morning as the chronic pain of hurtful words. The chronic pain, the ongoing pain, the the never-quite-healed pain, the, yeah, still-today pain of hurtful words. Because I... I believe that this is the main emphasis of what Peter is addressing in these verses that we just looked at together that sit there in your Bible before you in chapter 3, 9 through 12, as an extension of what Jesus Christ has changed in us he's changed our relationships we've looked at that in these many past weeks that last week we looked at the changed relationships within the body of Christ has called out people his church and within that realm within that context God is telling us very clearly even in these few verses words are a very big deal In fact, elsewhere in the Bible, the word tongue, the word mouth, the word lips, the word words is mentioned over 150 times just in the 31 chapters of the Old Testament book of Proverbs. In the book of Psalms, King David asked the Lord to let the words of my mouth be acceptable to you in Psalm 19. In Psalm 39, he says, To the Lord, please guard my mouth as with a muzzle. In the New Testament, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, Paul's letter to the Colossians, the book of James, not far away from 1 Peter here, talks extensively about how we use our words and the potential damage that can be done. Think about it. As I say that word, damage, Think about what that means. Think about the, the potential hurt, the experiences of, of belittlement, the snide comments, the, the screamed put-downs, the stinging barbs, the, the crushed confidence. These things have hurt. They hurt badly. You can remember them. You may be even living those words right now by the choices that you've made, by the choices you haven't made. as you look back on the dysfunction of so many relationships and what that did to you, and it can still fester. What I want to say in the, in the midst of all of that and talking about that reality, and, and I know I'm not going to ask for hands this morning, but there are many in this room who have been adversely affected by the pain of words used wrongly. But acknowledging that reality, I want to say, in the hope of the inspired word of God and the power of God's Holy Spirit, that His church can be different. His church can speak different as His spirit tames our tongue. It's like we have a choice. And he uses one of the terms here. We can either blast away with our tongues or we can bless. Verses 9 through 12 seem to pivot on on one phrase, if you will. Many times in Scripture, as you look at multiple verses together, there's a phrase or there's one verse, and and the other verses kind of give power and, and help to that and clarification of that, and they kind of pivot oftentimes on one idea. And the idea here seems to be in verse 9, where Peter says, giving a blessing. Giving a blessing. By contrast to our natural reaction, this is what makes us stand out. Our natural reaction, meaning the reaction of our flesh, our fallen nature, will lash out. Our tongue will have no control. There's no self-control. In fact, unfortunately, and this even happens in the church, sometimes we applaud people who don't control their tongues at all. We think that's pretty cool. They just speak their minds all the time. Where would we get that idea? Not from the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, one of his fruits is that of self-control. And so that's where we get this idea of To give a blessing, that's what makes us stand out. That's what makes us rise above this world's retaliatory spirit. Well, what does it mean to give a blessing? In the New Testament here, it's in the verb form. So blessing is something that's active. It's something that we are doing. It has the idea impact in the original Greek word, that of being thoughtful, that of being genuine, Now, I say that this morning to clarify that this is not in the cliche, vague category or the have a nice day kind of category. Have a blessing. Here's my blessing to you. I give you my blessing. Have a blessed day. Have a blessed week. Have a blessed, you know, so on and so forth. It's not in that category. It's an intentional response to God's people that encompasses the context. That's why context is so important in the Bible. The context of verse 8, to sum up, let all be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, humble in spirit. That comes out in your blessing. That comes out of your mouth. That comes off of your redeemed tongue and by extended application to our enemies as well. So there's also this wider context throughout the book of 1 Peter that they are in the midst of people that don't like them very much. They are in the midst of intense persecution. So by extension, beyond the body of Christ There's like these concentric circles. This is how we treat each other when we're redeemed people. This is how the Spirit of God tames our tongues. And then by extension, out in the world, when people say, I hate your Jesus, or I hate your values, or you're an idiot because you believe the Bible, your tongue is tamed in your response to them as well. So it's focusing on this response. So much of the trouble we get into with our tongues is in this area of response, right? It's usually not just kind of an initial conversation starter, or we're having a back and forth pleasant conversation. Usually we get into trouble when we respond to something. We respond to something somebody has done. We respond to something they have said. And in particular, if that thing has been said at us and we're at odds with it and we don't agree with it or maybe it offends us, bam, the tongue turns into a weapon and we say whatever we want. Because after all, the world's told us that's a good thing, right? Speak up, tell them the truth. What is the truth? I think we're bypassing part of that in the process. So let's begin to break this down then. If that's what a blessing is, what is the basis for this blessing? And Peter tells us, Peter tells us the tiny word for in verse 9. So if you go back to verse 9, it says, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead for... He says, and then he lists some different things. It points the way to a variety of reasons. The first one is simply this. Peter lays it out. It is God's mandate. The basis for this blessing, it's God's mandate. He says, for you were called for the very purpose. You were called for the very purpose. Now, Peter has used this term called earlier in the book of Peter. And so there's always, you always should stop there because this is a purpose statement. This is rooted in the thing we've been talking about since the very beginning in all three of these chapters, your identity in the Lord Jesus Christ. You are not just people who got Christ and your life is a little bit better. You are people who have been transformed in Christ and your life is different. So he says, for this purpose, you've been called for this purpose. We are in God's family. We we can't argue about this. This is is what we are made for. This is who we are in him. We are God's own possession. God now, as the owner of us, he bought us with the price of his blood, has the right to tell us. This is what I've created you for. Secondly, it's because of his mercy. It's because of his mercy. Look how that continues on in verse 9. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. That you points us to the second reason based on God's own treatment of us. God is saying, look at the way that I have blessed you. Yeah, even you. You. No, you don't deserve it. No, you're a mess. There was nothing lovable about you. When I reached out to you, when I initiated a love relationship with you, but look what I did for you. Do we deserve it? It's on the basis of his mercy, and Peter has been telling us that in Chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his great mercy. According to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, you maybe remember these words, but he says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for, as I just said a moment ago, God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy." Thirdly, this is all in an attitude of fearing God. As I mentioned just a moment ago in verses 10, 11, and 12, these are actually taken from the Old Testament, from Psalm 34, and it's important for us to see the context of Psalm 34 is all in a it's all in an attitude of, of just an, an awe of God, of who he is, and then encouraging us to, to be people who are fearing God, God-fearing people don't hear that phrase very much anymore. It seems so far removed from us today. And yet at one time, that was a much more common phrase. It was a way to express somebody who was living a a godly life, someone who had a, a high respect for the word of God and didn't want to disappoint God. But, li- but lived in a, a kind of a reverential sense, understanding that, that God is, is amazing and awe-inspiring and majestic and all of these things. Not just my buddy, not just homeboy God, not just like co-pilot God or the guy upstairs, And that's the context that we see in Psalm 34. David begins, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name forever. Down in verse 7, he says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Verse eight, he says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in them, in him. Verse nine, oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For to those who fear them, there is no want. In verse 11, he says, come you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Do you see that? Do you see that, that context? This is, this is important to God. It's very important to God, all in the context of of exalting God and and taking this very seriously. And then toward the end of this psalm, David has these verses, verses 12 through 16 in Psalm 34, which we get in 10, 11, and 12 in 1 Peter 3. There I said that. I thought I was going to mess that up. It's reversed back and forth and... Jesus himself, you might remember these words. In the Gospel of Matthew, the 12th chapter, the 36th verse, he said this, And I say to you that every careless word that men shall speak, they shall render account for it in the day of judgment. This is a big deal to God how we use our mouths. Why do you think it's such a big deal to him? Because... As we talked about, as we began this morning, it's a big deal in its effect and its impact on us. You know, simple words can change the course of your life. Isn't it true? You don't think God knows that? God knows that words can change the course of your life from this side and this side. For as a blessing, words can change your life and encourage you and and push you and help you go into a direction that will mature you in in the Lord Jesus Christ. As we, as the body of Christ, we encourage one another, we help one another, we lift one another up on this side. Words can destroy you. They can change the course of your life. I knew someone who was a, a, just a wonderful artist, a young man in college, and, and he was excited about his artwork. I'm not talking about myself, but I, I, you know, this was, I was close to this person because I, I liked artwork too, and I was pursuing artwork. But he had really had a gift. So he enrolled in some art classes in college. This was a Christian college. And one of the professors, he was so excited about what he had did. He'd done some work for some missions. And one of the professors basically said, you don't have any talent. I would give up your pursuit of having any kind of career in art. Now, we could say. Well, that was a turning point for him, and he went somewhere else. But, you know, 20, 30 years later, he could repeat those words and describe that scene as though it happened yesterday. And you've been there before, and a parent or a sibling or a friend or somebody said something to you, and it hurt so bad that you could relive it like it was yesterday, and it changed the course of your life. Maybe for bad. That's why it's so important to God. Because he has made us with the ability to impact people's lives with our words. As redeemed brothers and sisters in Christ he has given us by the power of his Holy Spirit an amazing ability to be an encouragement and a help to one another. That's why it's important to him. That's why we need to see the basics of this blessing then that he lays out from referencing Psalm 34 in the Old Testament. The basics he starts out with in verse 10 with that little word for again, a connecting verse that takes us back to the Old Testament to show us that this is relevant truth. This is powerful truth. This is here by the Spirit of God. And he begins, first of all, saying, refrain your tongue. For let him who means to love life and see good days, refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile or deceitment. Refrain. Refrain. It's a strong word. It means more than, I think we lose a little bit of the impact in English because it means to immediately stop Something right now once and for all. And the point with he's making with that word guile which is a word that we don't use much anymore or evil or deceit the emphasis in the original language here is really on the effect and the impact on other people. James talks a lot about that. In fact, we go back to a passage that you may well know. James chapter 3, beginning at verse 5, he writes, So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. Behold, how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body, and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, he says, these things ought not to be this way. And that's exactly what Peter is saying in these verses. This is something that needs to stop. Paul writes in Ephesians, Chapter 4, verse 29, these simple words, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear. I like Jerry Bridges' comments on this. Jerry Bridges, a Christian author, and wrote an, an interesting book. I like the title of it. That's why I brought the book so I could show you Respectable Sins is the name of the book, Confronting the Sins That We Tolerate. And so as he speaks to these issues of the tongue, he writes, corrupting talk is not limited to profanity or obscene speech. It includes all the various types of negative speech. Note Paul's absolute prohibition. No corrupting talk. None whatsoever. This means no gossip, no sarcasm, no critical speech, no harsh words. All of these sinful words that tend to tear down another person must be put out of our speech. Think about what the church of Jesus Christ would look like if we all sought to apply Paul's words. Secondly, he says to renounce evil. If we look at verse 11 at the beginning and let him turn away from evil and do good. This even more emphasizes our intentional response and the verb forms that he uses, turn away. Just don't think about it, he's saying, which could very easily happen this morning. I learned about this, so I'm thinking about it. I'm, I'm running it through my mind. I agree with it. I can theorize about it. But the verb form that he used here is saying to us, do something about it, turn away from it, reverse, dismiss. And I would add, before it even happens, we might begin that thought process of, do I really need to say this? Put a a gate, a check, ask the Holy Spirit of God to please put a, a muzzle on our mouths, like David prayed. Ask the question. What I'm gonna say right now, is it going to hurt anyone? We could simply ask: are these words that I'm going to say, are they nice? Does this bring honor to Jesus Christ? Would Jesus Christ speak this way? And lastly, he tells us to run after peace. I love the way that this is expressed in verse 11. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Pursue means to literally run after. Seek means to go after with extreme zeal. Running after something, literally chasing after something, you want it so bad. This was used interchangeably as a hunting term, to seek prey. This takes godly discernment, self-control, and patience to understand what this means, to be sensitive to God's Holy Spirit, to desire this with that kind of enthusiasm and that kind of intention. That's the thing we need to highlight here this morning. All of this is intentional. Naturally, we're going to say things that hurt people. It doesn't mean we're, we're never going to say anything that hurts people. Obviously, we're still fallen creatures. We live on this side of glory. But Peter is, in essence, telling us to be more intentional about it. Think about it. Use your your tongue as a gatekeeper. Ask the Holy Spirit of God to give you an increased sensitivity about your words before they leave your mouth. And chase after, run after peace. So we're not talking about the peace that would compromise the truth of God. Sometimes we're in a situation and the truth itself brings tension. That's not what we're talking about. We are talking about the use of the mouth, the use of insults, the use of bad language, the use of gossip, the use of putting people down and sarcasm, all of those things that hurt people. Saying does this make for peace? Does this build somebody up or does this literally tear them down? How can we change this? They're pretty powerful words here, aren't they? On one hand, it can be a little intimidating. On the other hand, with God's help, it can be kind of exciting because God has invested power in our words. We know that. And as I ask you at the very beginning to think on those kinds of hurts and that kind of pain, there is no doubt in my mind that probably everybody in this room could come up with examples where somebody's words cut deep. You may have gotten over it, you may be beyond it, but for many of you those words continue to echo in your mind. That is a reminder, I believe God can use that as a reminder of the impact of other people's words showing us the potential impact of our words. And also think of how many times you've been encouraged in the body of Christ when you think back, oh yeah, God... There was this guy that said this, this thing to me and he prayed with me and, and, he, and he just, you know, he took the time. He wasn't distracted. He wasn't looking at his phone. He really took the time and he sat down with me and, and, and he, was just, he was just there with me and, you know, it really, it really made an impact. God has created us for that kind of positive impact in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, some of you, I hope you have the routine of brushing your teeth every day, at least once a day, maybe twice, some of you three times. And then some of you also add to your brushing teeth routine, whether you use a, a standard non-motorized toothbrush or some other form, of also brushing your tongue Many of you do that? We don't really need a show of hands, but why would we do that? Just as a kind of an added precaution, right? Because we want our breath to smell good and, and we want to have that fresh flavor in our mouths. And, and as we go out into the world, I want to encourage you if you do that or even if you don't, the next time you brush your teeth, stick out your tongue as you're looking in the mirror. And I want you to think about as you scrub your tongue, maybe this will be the first time for you, that symbolically before your God, you are being reminded, maybe before you start the day, it can be tomorrow morning, I need to keep my tongue clean today, Lord. Give me a clean tongue. Can we do that? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and it 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 can hit us deeply. And yet we could all acknowledge in this room that the tongue can be a huge problem. And we need your help. This isn't behaviorism, this isn't psychology, this isn't a pep talk. Lord, we need your help. We want to speak in a way that would honor Jesus. Help us to do that. We pray in his name. Amen.